The Watch is the latest and the greatest in pop culture from best friends Chris Ryan and Andy Greenwald. Join them as they discuss TV, movies, music, and much more. Check out The Watch on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. A lot of news this week. We're gonna we're gonna talk about Britney Spears first, and then we will move on to discussing some real hits. Prince Harry back in the news. Ben for 2.0. Ben for 1.0 version two. Looking at real estate. A lot happened at the British Grand Prix, and my girl Adele's in the news. So we got a lot to go over. Amanda, let's start with Britney Spears. This is our trip to Bummertown. Um, and from there, it'll hopefully become sunnier. Yeah. Um, just so well, many updates. We can start with the positive thing, sure. which is that in the legal sphere, Britney Spears was granted the opportunity to hire her own lawyer, which was something that she had not been able to do despite being a grown adult and making a lot of money and paying for everybody. Right. So she has hired her own lawyer, Matthew Rosengart, um, who has been in court with her this week and is aggressively pushing to end the conservatorship, which great. that seems like positive news. That's great. Definitely. That's definitely the case. However, this just remains still so messy and sad. Also, I think like one of the main themes right now is everyone's just trying to weigh in on this. I mean, like us included, but like one of the headlines on um, page six today is that Martin Henderson, the co-star of the toxic video weighs in. And Martin Henderson is the star of Virgin River, which is, you know, a really popular Netflix show that I I watch. Um, but it's like no one needed to hear from Martin Henderson regarding Britney yeah. Spears. And like my boy AJ McLean of the Backstreet Boys also weighing in on Britney on like a serious XM show. It's just like everyone's trying to like get their shots off on this. And it's it's like this is exactly what we don't want to be happening. And, and totally. kind of kind of why when this on the eve of her testimony, you and I were like, do we even want to talk about this? And like, it's so newsworthy. We have to, but it's pretty gross to watch unfold. Totally. There is the legal aspect of this and the reporting that's gone into the conservatorship and just like the unprecedented and pretty horrifying circumstances 
of what has been going on in Britney Spears's own life in terms of her legal ability to make decisions for herself. Separately, there's the content machine. Yeah. And like the content machine has gone insane. And I, you know, I think if we're being honest, like I do think you can separate them, but I don't know if the case would be where it is today without like the attention and everything in the content machine that has sort of brought everyone's eyes back to Britney and sort of put some people in a corner so that she seems to be able to have gotten some. Yeah. I think like legal hold. Like, I do think that's true. Yeah. I think the free Britney people definitely um, helped keep interest in this going outside of just like the people in her closest circle for sure. And I think that the framing Britney documentary and all the times is reporting contributed hugely to bringing a lot of this to light for sure. That's different than like, Martin Henderson, who probably hasn't spoken to Britney Spears since the toxic video weighing in. I think you're right that they are separate. And also that just kind of the Internet and what we're doing right now, everything has gone kind of exponentially out of control. At the same time, I think they're definitely related. And some of the discomfort that you and I had, maybe even after the documentary um, and which was undeniably a success and a phenomenon. And again, I credit The New York Times so much for all of the reporting that they've done into the conservatorship. But we were like, okay, we saw what happened last time with all of this attention around this person. You know, as you and I keep saying, we're like of the leave Britney alone generation for a reason. And you could just feel everyone being like, oh, there's something here and this is getting attention and like we'll give more attention to it and more content and more content. And and that's how it happens on the Internet. And I don't know if there's like anyone hugely to blame for that. I don't know if I actually believe that as I'm saying it, because there are obviously a lot of people to blame in this situation. But just in terms of like people looking at something and something taking on a life of its own, it's kind of the world we live in. But there is it's just really high intensity. And I think this weekend in some of the Instagram posts that Britney Spears was saying, sharing, like she is now aware of it. And I think we can talk about all the rumors about the Instagram account and who's posting it and like what's going on. I don't know what to make of it, but I would say on the one hand, she's like at least participating or seems to be participating a bit more in the conversation on her own terms. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I think so. So the, I think the most reliable reporting on the Instagram account is from the New Yorker piece that Rowan, Rowan Farrow, Ronan Farrow and Gia Tolentino wrote together where basically there's like a service that um, posts, like there's like tweets drafted and then there's a service that actually posts them. So mm-hmm. that would still seems at odds to me with Brittany being able to post directly. Although maybe the conservatorship is just like less involved. So what gets posted is not like filtered through the conservatorship, but it's still really confusing to me. So over the weekend when it seemed like we were actually hearing from Brittany I, I was just sort of like, what's happening here? I don't know. I can't. I, for some reason, I'm so stuck on that. But it does. I think it's because it seems like her one way of really communicating directly outside of, you know, being granted 23 minutes in court. Yeah, I also had my what's going on here, not in the sense of what well, we're just trained, right? Yeah. You and I know that like everything that any celebrity puts out in the world you need to ask where it's coming from. Is there a team? Like, what are all the machinations? I think there also has been a lot of confusion about Britney's Instagram in particular over the past months and years. And there is also just kind of this, this whiplash of 
like if it is really her now posting these things and 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 if the changes in the conservatorship and in how she's running her life have been so sudden that now she is just able to be like okay here we go here's actually what i think about this and but she wasn't able to do that for like 10 years before it's pretty jarring. Yeah. And like, I, even though it's, I, it's good that she is able to say what she wants to say if it's her, but it's just kind of, I, I don't know. It really makes you reflect on like all of the time where that was not happening. Yeah. And that was another takeaway for me from the um, Ronan Farrow and Gio Tolentino story is that it has so much information about years, the years 2007 and 2008 and how the conservatorship was established. Yeah. Um, which was very upsetting, um, but worth read. And then there's just about 10 years of just no information, like no information at all. And on the one hand, going back to what we just said, I'm like, okay, well, no one really owes me that information. And like, I should probably just butt out. And it was probably like a lot of things going on, but as like, we're getting a lot of information, but not all of it. And it is still just so hard to wrap your mind around all at once. I I was really struck from that piece and about how they decided to really frame it about a story about a mother who was stripped of her children. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that that was an interesting choice um, because it's so much of a piece of how framing Brittany was trying to undo the work of sexualizing her in like unfair ways. And I think this sort of like revisiting of Brittany as um, a, a mother just deprived of her rights is, is really fascinating because it is, is so separate from like the pop star persona that so many people know her from know her by. And I just, you know, I don't, I don't want to say that's like not the right narrative. I I'm not an expert the way that, um, you know, the times and New Yorker reporters are, but I, I think that like very, very specific framing, um, pardon the pun is, is really fascinating because it, it's really granting her a whole new, a new persona in some ways, because like, it's really undoing a lot of what could be seen as very unfair work of castigating her as like an unfit mother and like kind of trying to, to explain how she ended up with the paparazzi photos of her son on her, on her lap in the car and, and everything like that. So I, that, that piece was like, not only had so much information, um, but in written in such a, like an effective dispassionate way, which I think is also the result of two people collaborating. Mm-hmm. Um, but really actually made a lot of narrative choices that were sort of like almost um, hidden or snuck in by the fact that there was so much information. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I I think that that's an important point. It does also feel like that narrative is as much in dialogue with the media coverage of the 2000s as it is with anything else that's that's going on. And it's interesting to compare... um, the, the the assessments really and the various narratives and threads that people who are reporting on this and thinking a lot about this are, are pulling versus what Britney Spears is actually putting out in the world. I thought one thing that was really notable of in the slightly uh, dissatisfied, shall we say, posts that she put up this weekend, there were uh, like a lot of um, what seemed to be subtweets at her father and her sister and... Um, at people who don't like her dancing videos, which like, I, you know, y- you and I have raised questions about them. So like, I hear you loud and clear Britney Spears. And she, as, as she said, if you don't like it, go read a book. And I was like, well, fair enough. Yeah, um, true. But, but another thing that she said in it was she was like, she, she once again was like, I hate the documentaries and I hate how they bring up embarrassing things about the past. 
And I just like, I just want to move on. I just want a chance at another happy life. And, you know, I do think it's notable that she keeps coming back. She must be speaking about framing Britney Spears. And that's not the first time that she has expressed her frustration with the the way that we're all revisiting this and talking about this and like putting all of this stuff on her or digging up things that she doesn't want to be a part of, which again is when I come back to just like the, to leave Brittany alone of it yeah. all. Yeah. You know? Um, but it, like if we did, then would her legal case be where it is? And I don't like want to give credit to that. It's not like the internet saved Britney Spears. Like the internet no. didn't save Britney Spears, but there is this really complex dance going on, right? Of just how much of the like attention and the public nature of this is helping her cause versus creating more uncomfortable situations. Right. And I think, I wonder how she thinks about herself now. Like, does she think about herself as a celebrity? Does she consider herself famous? Like, I'm very curious, like what, what she considers her public profile to be and what she wants it to be. What's really interesting is that, so this weekend was like several like posts that were speaking to her family, to the legal situation, to the documentary, to her critics. And now she's just like gone back this week to like influencer posts Mm -hmm. on Instagram. And she like posted a gift that she got from Selena Gomez of like, of, you know, because Selena Gomez has a new like body line, you know, a swimsuit line and also apparently has like some shimmer. She posted like a yoga meme today. She's like in her garden. So which like, <laughs> why great. not? I Like I if it were cooler here and there weren't, weren't a drought, I too would be in my garden. So I'm happy for Britney Spears. But it is really and she's even said in one of them, like, I got some things off my chest. I'm done now. Yeah. So it sort of seems now that she just is going back to like, I'm just going to be an Instagram influencer, normal celebrity type person. Yeah, I I guess. But again, when I see like that, she's like able to post some, something that seems to connect with her true point of view. And then it reverts back to like influencer content. It feels like a, a movie where it's like, someone's able to like get like, bang on the door like for a few minutes until the captor returns and they can't. And I'm just sort of, it's like, what's going on here. And again, I, I don't want to strip her of agency. Maybe this is what she wants her Instagram to be with this sort of back and forth, but it's just, this is all so hard to process and hard to know, like what is coming from Brittany and what is not. And it's just very, it's very confusing. I think that's one of the reasons why it also is getting so much attention is like, this does have a real movie like quality to it. It's incredibly captivating. Um, because she's so famous and because we feel like we know so much, but there's still so much we don't know. It's, this is unlike any other celebrity situation I can think of. 100%. Truly and I don't, I don't know what we'll know and when we'll know yeah. it. And I also I don't, don't know whether truly know, but anyone, well, <laughs> we'll it's that's so true. No, it is very true. And also like, will we get an answer and like, will we get a satisfi- satisfying answer? And like, do we deserve one? And is there one like, I, you know, I, I think are all reasonable questions that like probably don't have answers themselves. I've been thinking a lot about how I need to put aside my own like celebrity expectations mm-hmm. of, you know, there's not a lot of polish in any of this. That 
it's like, and that's why I think you and I are kind of reading into this and it's like, okay, well, like, did she just like take over the account and do her own thing? And now it's back to like the regularly scheduled posting and, you know, or whatever. And maybe it's just something different going on. And maybe it's just, it's not going to be this sort of streamed line celebrity industrial complex that we've kind of gotten used to. And maybe that's for the best because it seems like she was being pushed toward that for a while and that didn't work out for her. And, and maybe it's just going to be different. And, and, and maybe I just, we, that needs to be okay. Yeah. You know, I I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to like reimagine kind of what I think like a, a comfortable outcome for all of this will be. I also, there's this whole um, content complex around the Britney Spears' conservatorship. Let's say she gets free of it. Mm-hmm. Like, then what? Like, then does Britney Spears disappear? Does she move to Hawaii? Does she finally go for a ride with her in the car with her boyfriend who got into a fender bender? Like, <laughs> what is the what is everyone's end goal here? Right. Well, I, we're seeing some of it, as you pointed out, in addition to the fender bender, which just not great timing, sir. Um, it's not great timing considering how many times it's been emphasized that she just wants to go for a ride with her boyfriend in his car. Right. I do believe over the weekend they were spotted in the same car. They were um, together. She was also at some point spotted with a giant ring on her finger. And so like this is the other thing. We're we're just getting hourly updates on Britney. Yeah. And in that sense, it really is like 2006, 2007, 2008 again. Yeah. And I don't know whether that wasn't possible because she was just not leaving the house and under such um, restrictions that, you know, you couldn't get that information or whether it's like the complex, you know, has been reactivated. And so she's just going to have paparazzi following her again in the same way, because it's like, oh, this is where the money is. I can't really tell, but it definitely seems like we'll know what's going on for a while. We shall. We'll keep talking about it, I guess. Let's move on. We continue to talk about Meghan and Harry because this week it's come out that Harry has struck a $20 million deal with Penguin to write a memoir about his royal life. Um, Amanda, what's your reaction to this? I'm I'm shocked. I like gasped. <laughs> and I don't know why I gasped. I don't know why I thought this was over. Like, and obviously it's not over and it will never be over in the famous words of the notebook. I'm about to say, but, cue, cue the Ryan Gosling. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> It would be nice if it were a notebook situation Uh, instead of what we have. But this is sort of a delicious disaster is is what I think, quite honestly. I don't know that any good can come of this for anyone involved except for the $20 million that Prince Harry allegedly got in advance, the the proceeds, which are allegedly going to charity, and um, the fact that we'll all get to read this, which leads me to an important detail. Apparently, this memoir is being ghostwritten um, by J.R. Moringer, who wrote The Tender Bar, which George Clooney adapted into a movie starring Ben Affleck, which is coming out this year. He also, I believe, ghostwrote Shoe Dogs, the the Nike memoir. Um, Bill but, Knight, yeah. Yes, but most important, he ghostwrote open Andre Agassi's autobiography, which if you haven't read is extraordinary. It's definitely a top five celebrity memoir. And I don't just say that because I'm a tennis nerd, even though I am a tennis nerd. You don't have to like tennis 
to like stories about like Brooke Shields faxing Andre Agassi to like break up in the mid nineties or whatever. I don't know. I haven't read it in a while. I need to reread it. There's definitely something about Brooke Shields and a fax machine. And, (laughs) and, and also a lot of like extremely raw emotion. I mean, Andre Agassi has like a very complicated relationship to tennis and, you know, success and like parent issues, all of which like, minus the tennis, perhaps you'll recognize in another story soon to be published (laughs) by Penguin Random House. But um, it's it's beautiful writing and really does not pull any punches in terms of the emotion. And so I'm just imagining open, but Prince Harry. And that seems like a terrible mess. Um, And though that that's a little bit me and that's a little bit of Amanda's own beliefs about just propriety privacy well just like what how much of your emotions you're sharing in public and not on any given day and I know that you guys think I'm sharing a lot of my emotions but you know you wouldn't (laughs) believe what's going on behind the curtain over here so if if it's healthy for him I guess if that's what his therapists say are great I like I don't know it does also feel like they're just like a lot of people trying to make money off someone who has not resolved some like very tragic circumstances in his life. I'm speaking specifically of the loss of his mother at a young age. Um, And then being, you know, disconnected from his whole family for whatever reason. So I'm not trying to diminish that. If it helps him, great. I I just, I don't see what it's going to solve for anybody else. It seems like it's going to solve, cause a lot more problems. And it's also not being published until the end of 2022. So we've got a year. A year of buildup, a year of leaks. And then another year of just people like being angry about this and like the same stuff that everyone has been angry about for however many months now, years. I think it's been years. Yeah, I am. I find this very trashy for a few reasons. First of all, I think I just find this the the family strife really sad, even though I am on the record of thinking that like Charles and William are bad people. I hate them, but I do find I do feel like. It's just like family strife is sad. Like just that's how, but my top line note next, I just want to go company woman for a second. Listen, if you want to do a tell all Harry, we've got a platform for you. It's called Spotify. It's, you already have super a deal. True. What the it's fuck? Super true. <laughs> like, could we make this an audio book? I'd love to work with you on it. I, they are doing an audio book. And I was like, hmm, I wonder whether we can get it on this, but then I just said all my opinions in public. So I don't know. <laughs> um, the proceeds going to charity thing is like, okay, I'm sure some of them are all of them. I Everything just feels like a money grab. I don't know. Like, how is this different than the Kardashians at this point? It just feels like everything that Meghan and Harry do is well orchestrated for attention. And I hate that on the Kardashians. So why do I not hate it on these two? I, I'm like, I'm a, such a defender of them, I I think. And I'm really, I've turned. I'm just like, I'm sick of this. Go away. Like, live a nice, quiet life. Let me be super honest. Yeah. I, the money thing doesn't bother me. I, like, what else are they supposed to do? They, I, I imagine their security is extraordinarily expensive. I will, I will just say I, that. I, it bothers me when they're like, it's going to charity. And it's like, okay. Sure. Well, it's, it is true that they set out on like a life of service, right? Because they didn't feel like they could do enough, like inside the royal family. And I, like, I have to be honest, what they are doing in terms of charity or serving other people has not been the main headline. Right. Um, at, at, all. at all. And it yeah. doesn't seem like they prioritize it. So I agree with you there. But in like the basic sense of like 
they have security and I don't know, they they want to be rich. I, like, OK, what whatever. It's like I Barack Obama did the same thing. OK, yeah. so it's I didn't love it there either. That's true. That is an interesting book. And there's going to be another uh, half of it uh, that I'll read. Anyway, I, it, for me, it's just like, when is this going to end? I know. And, I, and it's and it's not going to end. But that's really sad. That honestly, that like makes me sad because I just maybe this is how these people reach some sort of peace and happiness. But it kind of seems like they've tried it a couple of times at this point and it hasn't worked out for anyone. Yeah. And I'm just like, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? And I, you know, I like I, I think that they can be right and happy together in like some way. But it's just it seems like at some point this is just a little self-punishing to keep going back to the well. I know. I know. And like maybe do something new that's like worth talking about. I don't know. Also, I agree with you. At a certain point, the well will run dry if it's a good if it's a good memoir. Probably. I think it'll be a good memoir. That this is the this is the thing though. Like content Amanda's like, "Oh my god, this is pretty good." Yeah. This, I mean, I, I mean I look this will be reading it. really sure. good. I will read every word of it. I'll probably also listen to the audiobook, which I don't normally do cuz I have a hard time concentrating in that way, but you have to assume, I, you know, if he I'm doesn't not, read it. We're, we're we're getting screwed. Give me the right. beautiful sound of Prince Harry's voice. Right. That's what I was saying. I'm assuming he's reading it. If he's not reading it, I'm obviously not listening. So content Amanda is like mostly happy, except to the extent that it's just going to be a retread of the same stuff over and over again. Maybe Jay it, will get some new stuff out of him, though. Who knows? Yeah, it does also. I, I pointed out to you that it is the um, it will come out. I believe at the same time or around the same time as the crown season five is supposed to come out. The crown has been coming out in November every year, but with a year break between their kind of like cast breaks. Mm -hmm. Right. So no crown this year. Very sad. But I, if they stay on schedule, which COVID is could screw things up, it should come out November, 2022. And season five is going to be Diana in the nineties, which is the, the very difficult stuff. I think it will include her death. Um, but I think it'll also include the Andrew Morton book, which right. is when she uh, worked with Andrew Morton behind the scenes in order to publish while still married to Charles and still in the royal family um, to publish like a pretty sensational account of her time in the royal family that effectively that was like when they agreed to give up on the marriage that that kind of ended things. Right. And you can't help but notice some of the parallels. Sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. I um, it just doesn't feel like any of this is heading towards like a happy ending because there's. I agree. It just feels like there will be a divorce. I hope there's not a death. I deeply hope that, but like, it just feels like there's no happiness in sight, and that's sad. I agree with you. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. 
That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Rockstar Energy Drink. Be honest, are you procrastinating by listening to this podcast? It's okay. You just need Rockstar Focus. Choose from three delicious flavors, each crafted with ingredients for an ideal energy and mental boost, like lion's mane, 200 milligrams of caffeine, and zero sugar. Visit rockstarenergy.com to learn more. At least 75 milligrams of caffeine has been shown to help improve attention. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's move on. Okay. Ben and Jen looking at real estate in Los Angeles. Amanda, where are they looking? They are looking, I believe, in Beverly Hills and Bel Air. Is that correct? Holmby Hills. Yeah. Which is basically those areas. Right. Yeah. And then, oh, and they were looking at one um, in Hidden Hills as well. I have a hard time imagining J-Lo as a as a Hidden Hills person. I don't see Ben Affleck as a Hidden Hills person. Right. So they were spotted from his favorite coffee shops. That's, that is, that is true. Is there a Dunkin' Donuts in in Hidden Hills? I I don't know. I have to look that up. I have to be honest. Have you ever actually been to Hidden Hills? No. Okay. I haven't either. And I drive by on the 101 all the time. Yeah. To go to Malibu. Yeah, of course. And so you like go by Calabasas and you go by all the Calabasas dealerships. And I've even been to like the, Calabasas Country Mart, which is like not, is it an official Country Mart or is it? I think at this time, at this point it is. Yes. Okay. So just a, a quick LA note for anyone. And I guess a California note, there is a, a certain chain, I suppose, of open air. They're just like super rich person strip malls, essentially. Yeah. There's one in, in Santa Barbara. There's one in Brentwood. Mm-hmm. Ben Affleck's often photographed the one in Brentwood. Yes. Um, called the Country Mart. There's one in Malibu. Um, so I've been in Calabasas and then you keep driving and like I've looked on the map and so I'm like, oh, Hidden Hills must be over that way. And it it's just... Hidden. <laughs> it, yeah, it's true, but it's like impossible to imagine that there is even anything there. I know. Because it is just a brown hill from the highway. And I'm like, I don't... I just can't imagine getting off the highway and being like, okay, now I'm home. I, and, or even going to explore, not that they would let me in hidden Hills. I think that's like <laughs> the, the appeal of hidden Hills is that I can't drive up and be like, huh, this is, this is where you guys live. Right. But it's, it's strange. Anyway, I agree with you. I can't imagine Ben Affleck also because Ben Affleck's kids already have like a life in Brentwood. Yeah. So it's not the best commute to hidden Hills. So no, I think they got to stay on the other side of right of the hill. They got to right. stay in LA proper. Right. So we should note the after the first photos leaked of Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez touring a sixty-five million dollar home in Holmby Hills and like making out um, at the entrance, like uh, the security gate was opened and they were like ready to leave and they just like stopped to make out in front of the paparazzi and yeah. then they kept driving, which like good for them. 
<laughs> I, you know what? Gotta give the people what they want. Live your life out loud. But after that, they did clarify that that Ben, they're not looking to cohabitate immediately. That Ben was just being a good boyfriend She's and going for a along. New home in LA. She's looking, and he was going along as like a boyfriend and real estate advisor. So. She perhaps. Also was, yeah, perhaps it's just for her. Maybe she will move to Hidden Hills. She really seems like a Bel Air type to me, though. And why shouldn't she be? I think she already was living yeah. in Bel Air, to be honest, or had a home there. Um, she also was looking like at a construction site. She's all over the map. She might be building mm-hmm. from scratch. I will say bad time to be building. Lumber, very expensive. Yeah. So, Jen. Construction delays, for sure. I would go with a home that's already built if I were you. But they're they're still out here, people. They're just doing their thing. What a time. Congratulations to everyone. Seriously. Next, my top topic of the week. This past weekend on Sunday was the British Grand Prix, which is the um, Formula One race held in England. There's one every year. It's the drivers of Formula One are on teams, right? But like then they're all from different countries. And when they have their home race, the race in their country of origin is like a big deal. So this was Lewis Hamilton's home race. Amanda's making a face right now. No, this is... I. I I have some great stuff that okay. no one cares about but me, but keep going because we got to get to Lewis Hamilton first. So Lewis Hamilton won the race in really dramatic fashion. He had a collision with his top rival, Max Verstappen, who I personally despise. So I was happy about that. Um, Lewis then had a huge penalty and he still managed to win the race. But the most important thing is when he won, he was congratulated by Tom Cruise, who was Lewis's personal guest at the race. And this is just an incredible turn of events after we discussed last week how Tom Cruise was living his best life going straight from Wimbledon to Wembley for the Euros final. Tom was in the box with Mercedes because he was Lewis's guest, which means that he was like photographed with my favorite man of Formula One, who is the principal, the GM Mercedes, Toto Wolf, really hot Austrian man who exudes excellence, excellence and luxury and riches at all times. Um, he also, Tom Cruise is also seen hugging his compatriots and acting Michael Douglas, whose wife is Welsh, Catherine Zeta-Jones. I assume it's why they were in England and Harrison Ford, who was in town to film Indiana sure. Jones, but so, is injured. So he doesn't have anything else to do. I, this is what I've been wondering about Tom Cruise, because there was a shutdown on the mission impossible set mm-hmm. because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm just wondering whether like with all his free time, he's just out and about watching every single sport that exists. So I think that for, for the next mission impossible, they did a, a race at this track. It's called oh, Silverstone. Okay. Um, I think they call it Silverstone, but I'm American. So I'm going to call it Silverstone. Um, okay. And so I think there's like a mission impossible tie in here because Ethan hunt did some stunts there sure. not, in an in in no, actual car, not in like the racing cart of formula one. So I think that's why. And I assume Tom Cruise being the pro that he is probably got really into racing to prepare for this scene as Ethan Hunt. And as a result, I'm sure that led him to friendship with Lewis Hamilton. Also, I have to say, I could see Tom Cruise and Lewis Hamilton sharing some skepticism about the world as like two really rarefied individuals who've lived really, um, like just unique lives. So I could see them sharing some opinions together. I also just want to note Lewis Hamilton after he won in really dramatic fashion with this collision with Max Verstappen was the subject to a ton of racism, like with the soccer players last week. And that sucks. And Lewis is a treasure. So fuck that. Support you, Lewis. I would like to ask some follow-up questions about your assessment of whatever Grand Prix that you just described, because honestly, as soon as you started like doing formula one rules, I was like, I I can't follow what's going on here. How did you learn the rules? 
feels for this. Um, so Formula One is like having a moment here in America because of the Netflix show. I got into right. it from the Netflix show, but I was in like the the, the pre wave of this. Like I am not I'm not claiming to be an old school Formula One fan, but this was like at the very start of the pandemic. I had just watched the show like a year and a half ago and was like telling everyone I knew to watch it. I, this I remember, and so I just started learning the rules by watching. Um, one of my, my friend Catherine's also really into it. So like we watch it together when we are in the same place and talk about it. And I don't know, I just started, started reading about it. Okay. It's a great celebrity adjacent sport. So this weekend I was at home. It was very hot in Los Angeles. Looked kind of too hot to do anything. Um, turned on the TV and it was the final stage of the Tour de France, which was on TV and it was in Paris. Right. And they kept being like, they will circle the Arc de Triomphe eight times and then race down the Champs-Élysées. And I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, it's like it's not really like bike racing. It's more just uh, like tourism. But, you know, with athletes, sure, like I, I, I'll, I'll watch a little bit. And then they proceeded to make me watch an hour and a half of cycling. And it was the most confusing stakesless thing that I've ever consumed in my entire life. And there were so many rules and it, and it was akin to whatever that you were just describing, but the announcers, I don't understand cycling either. The tour, de but the announcers my head. <laughs> were just like trying to, I mean, the winner was a foregone conclusion, but there was someone else who was trying to go for some sort of record. But then they were talking about all of these strategies and it's just like men circling around like <laughs> Paris for like an hour. And, and they really don't make use of all of Paris. I guess Paris was not really willing to shut down. So the last 30 minutes, they are. They just like do the Arc de Triomphe and then they go down the Champs-Élysées and then they go around the Place de la Concorde and they just like go back up and they're just like do to do. And all the announcers are speaking like it's like life and death because there are all these dramatic situations. And I was like, I'm a smart person and I am concentrating and I have no idea how this could be exciting. I just don't understand the rules around televised racing and all of the strategy. And I feel like this applies to Formula One as well. And I just, I guess I'm just too much of a basic American. Like I can't get to a point where I'm like, I understand this enough for it to be a dramatic conclusion. And for me to be proud of Lewis Hamilton, I am proud of Lewis Hamilton. You love him. So I'm proud of him too. But like, what is going on with the European people? Like make your sports clearer. I just, it's like, it's a race. The first person across the line should win. I don't understand. Juliet. I don't understand. That's why Lewis's win was so big was because he, because of the collision, he had a 10 second penalty. So he had been in first and then he dropped down to fifth and he had to like make up a lot of time to win. So it was, it was, if you had been watching, you would have understood. You would have been like, wow, he was in fifth and now he's in second. Wow. He's got nine laps left. Can he do it? Formula One is a great sport because there's like all of this like, like writ the like there's like the largesse and the personalities of the drivers and then and the principals plus there's a TV show to give you the behind the scenes. But the other reason why it's also a great sport that totally predates Netflix is that it's a combination of like finding a good r- driver and like engineering. Like it's all about how good your car is and like that's like pretty cool that I'll like in between races a lot of it is about like adjusting the car and like at what point do you abandon engineering for this season just focus on your car for next season like there's like a lot of like interesting stuff that goes into it so that's my pitch on formula are you into cars now too no i don't not at all but i just i just appreciate that fact i'm not okay i I, in fact do not want to be a car person i (laughs) i i am not gonna i won't without using specifics i recently had to get a new car and i like downgraded i was like i was just like i do not want to be known as a car person this is not the life that i be i'll be living um okay 
cars are like really uninteresting to me. Celebrity is very interesting. Lewis Hamilton, okay. very interesting. But no, not cars. It does seem like a lot of European celebrities love Formula One. Yes, it's because it's really fun. There's a lot of pageantry. It's great. It's great. great, great. I, I, I don't get it, but I'm happy for you and happy for Lewis Hamilton <laughs> and Tom Cruise. Last topic of the day. It's come out via the NBA finals on Saturday night that Rich Paul, who is um, a close confidant of LeBron James, he's the head of Clutch Sports, their sports agency, and I believe he is officially employed by uh, one of the agencies now. I think it's UTA. Um, is spending time hanging out, dating, whatever you want to say with Adele, who is... Um, well, what do you want to say? Because that's sort of the, the main point here. I think they're dating. I think Adele okay. and Rich Paul are dating. Um, okay. Adele is a really important person in my life. She's like a really important figure worldwide. And I'm deeply upset about this. Okay. <laughs> Go on. This is This is why we're here. Adele started out as just a kid from Tottenham with incredible pipes, emotional music, and a lot of relatability. And over the last 10 years, ever since 21, which came out in the winter of um, 2011, it's been 10 plus years. I can't believe it. You know, that was like one of the biggest records of all time. It kind of predates streaming. So you can't really measure it that way. But like someone like you's like most emotional song ever. I mean, it's Adele. You you remember get... when we remember when you and I saw <laughs> yeah, Adele sing "Someone Like You" in person? I can't. I, I it's like I feel like I'm both gonna, like, weeping. Faint. I feel like I'm gonna faint yeah. thinking about it. Like it was so special. Adele was really special in this decade long descent into becoming just like every other celebrity is so upsetting to me. <laughs> and now she's just meeting some other rich guy that she met in L.A. She's you know I I apparently on this cert food diet and just like has and I support health I support happiness you should feel good about your body do whatever you need to to feel good about it so I obviously support that but like she just has become a celebrity like a right she's no longer the kid from Tottenham the, with the beautiful voice she's Adele worldwide famous person dating Rich Paul living in Beverly Hills she even abandoned London and I just yeah she just bought a third house I think in Beverly Hills so she just has a whole <laughs> compound I hear you I but I I want to offer a, a glass half full, which is very rare for me. But what if we saw it as just Adele actually taking unusual circumstances, fame at a very young age, a singular talent, a lot of pressure, circumstances that have affected many people that we have known and loved, including people who have been referenced on this podcast. And instead of following or being taken down or just the, the the path of distress or, you know, instead of it like having a negative ending, she just found a happy ending and she's just kind of normal, you know? And it's like, it's, it is a little basic, like the, the third house in Beverly Hills. I mean, it's like rich person, basic like that. I don't have any That's the thing. in Beverly it's just Hills. Basic. It's LA basic. Yeah. But like, but maybe she is just happy and normal. And like, she got divorced and it Eng- didn't English ruin her life. Love LA. That is true. And she found a lot of success and like didn't ruin her life. And she's just doing what she wants to do. And it is not as extraordinary as the beginnings of her career. I give you that. But like being extraordinary you know, over the course of story, Amanda, this is not a good story. There's nothing I cute know. about this. There's just, well, I don't know. I'm just not into it. I just, I, I would, I just like, 
I don't know. I, I mean, want Adele to have a better meet cute and, a, and like a different boyfriend. I, I, Rich Paul, no shots. I'm just like, this is just not what I was hoping for. I wasn't hoping for her to be a part of the Space Jam PR machine making an appearance at game five on Saturday night at the NBA finals. I just didn't I think that's what we you. were doing I, with Adele. I mean, in, in the specifics, like people having to Google who is Rich Paul, which I just, for the record, I want you to know because I've worked at the Rangar for long enough. I knew who Rich Paul was. And I was like, oh, this seems a little lame. You're dating an agent. But yeah, she's dating an agent. <laughs> she's like, wait, you know what? But like Reese Witherspoon married an agent and she's okay. So I guess like as long as I don't have to hang out with them, it's fine. That's the that's the bummer, right? It's like you would like to hang out with Adele. She definitely seems like an incredible hang. Great hang. But like who wants to hang out with an agent? Not us. Um, So so I do do get that in the specifics and just and you're right. The Space Jam PR of it all, which just oh, like, like no, oh, no, Le- thank you. LeBron just decided to be courtside at a basketball game for this right. this weekend, this day after his movie came out. Oh, I can't believe it! And then, oh, his his number one business partner and collaborator, Rich Paul, was also there. Oh, what a shock! I can't believe it. Right. Have you heard about Space Jam? Those guys just made a movie. <laughs> it came out yesterday. You get HBO Max. Like, just I don't know. I just wanted more for Adele. I cannot believe she's like, you know, she's fucking slumming it with Bugs Bunny, right? But also. Maybe she just didn't have plans on a Saturday night. You know, I be- I believe in Adele. I believe in her strength, even though we just had to talk about Rich Paul for, you know, and Space Jam for longer than I have ever wanted to in my life. I'm going to listen to I Found a Boy, my, my favorite song by Adele, which is not available on Spotify um, on repeat for the rest of the day. <laughs> what, a, what a sales pitch. Um, I, I hope everyone is happy. That's, that's my takeaway. I would like, I would like everyone to be like genuinely happy. And if it makes for some like boring narratives, well, don't you want me to be happy? I'm not happy about this. (laughs) I do want you to be happy as well, but I think that we can also work on a way for everyone to be happy. And then if it means we just like have to make fun of agents on a podcast from time to time, like could be worse. Yeah, I guess so. Adele. I don't know if Rich Paul is going to get another great album out of you. I just want to throw that out there as well. Like, do I want a Rich Paul breakup album? No, I do not. Okay. I, wow, I don't either. All right, everybody. Thanks to Stefan Anderson for producing this episode. We'll be back next week. Have a great one. Bye. 